0: Shalom Alechim, our journey through Shas continues in the Mishnah Yomi, chapter 3 of Hagiga Mishnah 3, Mishnah Gimel. We've been talking about Tuma and Tahara, ritual purity and impurity, of various levels of food items. And so far in this parak, in this chapter, we've been discussing some stringencies that apply to Kodshim, sacrificial items, versus Truma, the tithe given to the Kohanim, the priests to consume. So Mishnah Gimel picks up Ochlin, Acholim neguvim, one may eat dry foods, bi'adaim misoavut with contaminated hands. Now recall, when we talked about um, washing the hands or putting the hands in the mikvah, that if someone's hands are contaminated, that's a rabbinic level impurity. If something is a biblical, derisa level impurity, then it contaminates the entire body. But there are certain situations that are similar to a biblical impurity where our ancient sages decreed that the hands can become impure, which is why to this day we still wash our hands before consuming bread, even bread of hulin. So here in this situation, Mishnah Gimel, someone can eat dry food with tame hands, but truma, when he's eating truma, alloba kodesh, but not when he's eating kodesh. Now, the issue here is if one's hands are tame, they're what's called a sheni Latuma, a second level or a derivative level contamination. Now, a second level contamination can contaminate truma, which can become a third level, or kodeshim, which can become a fourth level. That's one of the stringencies we mentioned in Mishnah Bait. So what's going on here is he's actually eating with his own two tame hands, Houlin. He's eating regular old Hulin, which cannot become a shlishi. It doesn't have that stringency. So it's okay to eat regular Hulin with tame hands, but he's also eating truma or kojim. Now, how is he doing that? Someone else is feeding him. Somebody with completely pure body and hands is actually feeding him, maybe on a fork, maybe with his hand, that truma. And one can imagine such a situation where there might be a baby, a baby Cohen, who's eating bamba with his own two quite tame hands, being a baby crawling around, while his mother is spoon-feeding him porridge made of truma. This could happen in the days of the base of Mikdash. We should see it again speedily and actually have bamba uh, with with our truma also, maybe truma bamba, we'll see. Um, So the issue here is everything's dry. So because everything's dry, there's no liquids, to transfer the contamination of the tame hands, the shenny hands, to the truma. But by co- it's because something needs to become wet before it accepts ritual contamination. The Bartner brings an explanation in the Gemara from Rashi that if it's wet, then technically the shenny hands could make it make it itself tame as a risho, and actually as a first-level tuma on a rabbinical basis. We'll talk all about this when we get into taharot. It is complex. Um, so by, by truma or Mako. we don't assume, every, as long as everything is dry, we don't assume there would be any cross-contamination. But by kochim, we say it's already ready. Any kochim food is already ready to accept ritual impurity, even without getting wet at all, so it wouldn't allow this leniency. Now the Mishnah brings another stringency for kochim, ha-onin. Now, Onen lo-olenu is someone who has just had a relative pass away. And the bartonura points out this particular Onen who lost a family member, didn't actually touch the deceased. If he is, he becomes an avatuma, and he certainly, the din will not apply to him, but this is a family member who did not touch the deceased, or otherwise become ritually impure on that level. So an onen, or a mechuser kippurim, this is someone who their time of being Tame is up, but they have not yet brought their offerings. They need to go into a mikveh before they eat any offerings, or, you know, the holy foods of the truma, but not for truma. Now what's going on here is when somebody was an onen, he was forbidden from eating truma or kodesh. Same with the Mahusur kipurim, who was tame and did not yet bring his offerings to officially end that impurity. So they weren't allowed to eat kochim or truma, so maybe they weren't so careful to avoid contamination. So even if they don't know that they became tame, they do need to take steps to undo any tuma they might have come in contact with. Similar to the concept of people's in people's hands, typically touch things, and if you don't know, someone would have to wash their hands, even if they don't know they touch something, Tommy. As we explained in chapter 2. The Mishnah Dalet teaches Homer Batruma. There's actually a stringency by Truma compared to Kodshim, sacrificial items, Shabi Yehuda, in the area of Yehuda, the southern kingdom of ancient Israel, Ne'monim al Taharat Yain v'Shemen, Kol Yimot Everyone was believed to say that their wine and their oil was pure the entire year. Now, this is by Kodshim. So even an Amaaretz, who's not necessarily very educated or very scrupulous about keeping things Tahar, when it was Kodshim, when he was going to bring this wine or this oil to the temple, you know, to bring an offering of wine or oil, libations, you know, an oil mixed with the menachot, he would be very careful, he would get educated, he would get an expert opinion, he would get someone to come and purify his kalim, his utensils, his press, everything he needs to make sure that what he brought to the temple was kept seriously pure. So we'd believe him in Yehuda, which is near the temple, we'd believe even in Amarit, to believe everyone about the purity of their kodesh, what they planned to bring to the temple. And at the time of the pressing, the bodim, bodim is the olive pressing, of Allah truma. They're also believed on truma because when it's the time, the season after the harvest to process the wine uh, and, and the oil, you know, to, to get the grapes pressed and get the olives pressed, then people would go to the trouble. Even Amaya Aretz are not so careful the rest of the year, but they would go to the trouble to purify it to process their trumas so they could give pure truma to the kohanim avru igitotve bodim if the time of the grape press and the olive press is over the Hevi'u low and an amarex brought to a kohen Chavit shel truma a barrel of wine which is truma wine and now his time period of being believed is up loya kupelin he shouldn't accept it from him but if if the amaris insists that the kohen takes it avul menijo ba the Kohen could actually save it until the next pressing season of the next year. And then at that time, the Amaretz has ne'manus, has trustworthiness, because based on the fact that most of them at that time of year were very careful to keep things pure. And if the Amaretz tells the Kohen that he's giving gifting the barrel to, he I also have in there one ravit, one quarter log, of kodesh of wine that's intended to go to the temple, you need to give that part to the temple. Neman, because he's believed he's trusted that it's tahor. Because again, the ame'aritz, everyone was very careful when it came to kodesh that they were going to bring to the temple, even more so than purity of truma. The Mishnah concludes kadeyoyin <laughs> vekadeyshem na jugs of wine or of oil that are a mixture. Now we've we've seen this word miduma before. We learned about truma; it meant a mixture of truma and hulin, and that was a problem. Actually, if the hulin wasn't enough to be mevatal, to nullify the truma, but here it means he has in this jug a mixture. It's, there's truma, there's hulin, there's kodesh. So he's going to plant. He's going to separate out. He's going to tithe out the truma and give donate the kodesh and everything will be fixed up eventually. So Ne'monin olehem, we believe everyone during the time of the grape press and the olive press, the Kodim Shivim Yom, and even before the time of pressing for seventy days. Now this is because again there's some Kodesh, there's some sacrificial portion that's going to go to the Temple in these pitchers in these barrels. So because we believe everyone on that, because everyone is very careful about what goes up to the temple to keep it very pure. So they would keep everything else pure. Because of course, if it's in one jug or one barrel, if one thing's Tame, everything is Tame. Now the 70 days, the Bartonura says that people would start to purify their utensils, their wine press, their olive press and all the accessories and utensils and barrels and pitchers 70 days before the pressing. I do not know why that it's exactly 70 days. In many areas of halacha, we say 30 days before we start preparing, like we start learning the halacha of Pesach 30 days before. So I'm really not sure why it's 70. If anyone has an answer, please let me know. And since these are the, the Mishnah from Parsha Noach, famously, Noach got drunk after the Mabu. We understand there was probably a, a great deal of trauma, some PTSD. He got drunk. But there's actually Mepharshim would say he did not intend to get drunk on wine, that before the Mabul, there was less koach hasirchon, meaning forces of rotting and fermentation in the world, that after the flood, the entire physics or biology of the world changed and things that cause fermentation, things that cause rotting and decay, increased in power, which is why we also see that lifespans, human lifespans, were much longer before the flood and became shorter after. So according to some sages, some rabbis say Noah wanted grape juice. He didn't even intend to drink wine and get drunk. He just hadn't realized that the power of fermentation had increased after the Mabul, after the flood. Everyone should be well. Everyone should have Tovud. Good news for Klal Yisrael and Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. Shabbat Shalom.